Hey guys, for as long as I have been here at Capital City, we simply don't cancel worship services. Snow and ice, we're here. And if you can get here, we'll worship our God together. Except for the opening months of this pandemic, we're here. And if you can get here safely, we'll worship our God together. If not, we'll connect with each other online. And believe it or not, our convictions have not changed. However, several of our church family who are on deck for serving today in the worship services tested positive, including me. So our elders determined to go online this week. You see, our job is to do whatever we can to provide a, a God-honoring worship experience with reasonable safety for our church family. And we simply could not do both with the time that we had. So our elders chose to cancel our in-person worship today, will be online only, and to cancel our student services for tonight and to postpone our Wednesday services for one week. We're going to reevaluate where we stand later on in the week. Now, guys, I know that there are some who don't think that we take this pandemic as seriously as we ought. We do try. We honestly care. But you see, we believe that our spiritual health is even more important than our physical health, and our people are struggling. And we think that spiritual health requires gathering as Jesus followers as often as we can, every Sunday if we can, to give him the honor that he deserves, unless you determine that it's just not safe for you to do that. That's between you and God. Unfortunately, this morning we had to make that decision for you, and I hate that. Now, I know there are some who want to know who tested positive. And guys, we simply can't tell you, not just for confidentiality reasons, but for simple decency. And I know that there are those who are trying to ferret it out so that they can know and tell others. That's just wrong. It dishonors a brother and it dishonors our God. If someone tests positive, it's on them to choose to tell you or not. Some will want to know how this all got started. Was it one person who spread it to several, or were there several who exposed those of us around the church? And honestly, we don't know. What I can tell you is that I have tested positive. I'm feeling fine. I monitor my temperature every day. No fever. Haven't had one in months. When I checked it this morning, it's still 97.9. But I went ahead and tested because several of those who are very close to me just recently tested positive. And on, on Friday evening, my doctor recommended that we take a look just to be safe. So Saturday morning I tested and I'm in. I wanted you to know because I've been around several of our church family the last few days. And if you think that our interactions have put you at risk, you need to know. Now I have no idea how long I've been contagious. I felt fine. And outside the office, I've been interacting people with a mask on, but still. So our elders had a Zoom call yesterday and they canceled in-person worship for today. We had already taken every precaution. We had already hyper-sanitized our facility, but we simply had no time to prepare a full online alternative. If we had known this information earlier in the week, we might've reached another decision. Right now, we ask your grace and we ask your prayers. Guys, this is a crazy, tumultuous time. It's a crazy time for our church family. It's a crazy time for our nation. 
more than ever, we Jesus followers need to have each other's back. And, and maybe more than ever, we Jesus followers need to be spending some real serious quality time with our God. So I'm asking you to hang with us for the next few minutes. We're not going to present a full worship service this morning. But we do have a service that we want you to participate in. I am delighted that James Driver, our growth minister, was slated to preach this week. He's been working hard on this sermon for weeks, and it's well worth hearing. And by the way, he has already prepared a little section in the middle of his sermon for the Lord's Supper. So if you have Lord's Supper elements, you might be gathering together, uh, gathering them together and be prepared to use them when James prompts you. Thanks, guys. Good morning, Capital City Christian Church. Glad to be able to spend this morning with you. Doc introduced us to a concept of practical or Christian atheists last week in a sermon. We say we believe in God, but do we really know him? Knowing him is about an intimate knowing, not just the knowledge of him. Today, we are going to cover, well, we believe in God, but do we love him? Now, the reason that is so hard is because we don't love ourselves. And if we don't love ourselves, we have a hard time believing God can love us. And if we don't think God can love us, well, then we have a hard time loving him. Last week, a coworker shared with me that she had a 40-year-old cousin who was dying. And in her last hours here on earth, she said she saw angels which really made my coworker ask this question. Does he love me right now? Because I know I'm not what I'm supposed to be. Now my coworker attends church. She tries very hard to be faithful in all things. Can you hear her heart's question? She's saying, I believe in God, but I'm scared. Does God truly love me? Now, that's a huge question. Even the most devout person can struggle with this question. I remember the day that I realized I loved my dad. Now, that may seem strange to some of you. See, I knew I always respected him. I even feared him. He was, after all, the disciplinarian. He taught me right from wrong, and sometimes uh, he had to include a stinging reminder on my backside to get the point. I always remember wanting to please my dad. I wanted him to be proud of me. But one day I realized I loved my dad because I finally realized he loved me. Behind all the discipline, I finally saw the love that was behind it. And my response to understanding that he loved me was to love him back. See, and the crazy thing is, his love for me was there all along. I concentrated so much on the fear and respect, I missed the love behind his actions. I studied pastoral counseling at uh, seminary. I've never had anyone come up to me and say, James, I have a problem. I realize God loves me so much, I don't know what to do with that. What I see most often is people who struggle with their sin their guilt, their doubt, that God can truly love them. If you remember Job in the Old Testament, the guy that was constantly tested at every turn had an aha moment. 
when he recognized God, then he saw himself in contrast to God. He said, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself. I get that. I have been the hardest on myself. I have hated who I am at times. And it's natural and normal to doubt. It's hard to believe that God really and truly sees me and still loves me. I know who I am. I know the thoughts in my heart. I know my sins. I know my failures. How could God really love me? And there is a direct correlation to what Doc said last week in truly knowing God and truly loving God. So we're going to look at two questions today. First one is, do you believe God when he says he loves you? And the second, how does believing in his love for you translate into the Christian life? I had completed seminary and I had been in ministry for a few years when I went to a National Youth Worker Convention in Chicago. It was the first time I'd ever heard Brennan Manning speak, and it was the first time I heard this statement. God loves you as you are, not as you should be. The reason we struggle with loving God, even if we believe he exists, is that we actually can't believe he could really love us. I mean, after all, we know ourselves. And when we take an honest look at ourselves, we see our flaws. We know we're jerks. Well, maybe not all the time, but we know we can be a jerk. I knew deep down inside, even after accepting a call to ministry, that I was a very flawed man. I actually taught, preached, and did ministry without the concept that God loved me as I am. I figured he loved me when I was doing well for him. The problem is, I was even failing at ministry. Now, that's a double whammy. I was a jerk and a terrible minister. Doomed. Then God's words began to reach me. Slowly, over time, I began to realize my view of God's love for me was very small. I respected God. I even feared God. But I, ever, I never understood he loved me. A chord struck with me as I listened to Manning preach. God loves you as you are, not as you should be. I mean, could that be true? It dawned on me as I read scripture that there may really be something to that statement. In Romans 5.8, it says, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see it? Do you hear it? Jesus did not die for us because we're good. He did not die for us because we're just so darn cute. He didn't die for us because we earned a relationship with him. He didn't die for us because we wore his team jersey. He died for us when we wanted nothing to do with him. That is the ultimate expression of love. Uh, let me ask a question. How many of you have ever had one of your kids say they don't love you anymore? Maybe they did it when they were small or as teenagers or maybe even as adults. I remember telling my mom I did not love her anymore and I was running away. I think I was around the age of five. She said, okay, but you may want to pack a bag first. 
So she brought out a suitcase, packed some clothes, my toothbrush, and some snacks for the road. She opened the front door, patted my behind, and pushed me outside. When she had shut the door behind me, I proudly walked six steps until I realized I had no idea where I was going. I panicked. My mom opened the door, and for a moment I was relieved until she handed me a quarter and said, you may need this if you want to buy something at the store, and then shut the door again. I remember sitting on the stoop crying my eyes out. Mom told me when I was older that was one of the hardest things she's ever done. See, she wanted to rush out that door and hug me, but she knew that she had to wait until I turned around and asked to come back in. When I finally got up and knocked on the door, she opened the door and she acted all surprised. Did you forget something? I clung to her and I sobbed I was sorry, that I did love her. Can I please stay? Mom said, of course. You're always welcome as long as you want to be here. I love you, James. I always will. See, my mom loved me not because I was good. She loved me not because I always made her feel good. On the contrary, I'm sure I hurt her with my many harsh words. My mom loved me because she had decided to love me no matter what. God made a decision he was going to love you, to love me, to love everyone out in the world. Not because we're good. Not because we have our act together. Not because we earned it. He loves us because that is his choice, his decision. Do we believe in the concept of God? Or do we really believe God? Do we believe God that he demonstrated, showed us his love, that while we were enemies, while we wanted to run away from him, when we wanted nothing to do with him, maybe even when we told him we don't love him. He demonstrated his love and that Jesus died for us. So let me ask you, do you believe in the concept of God? Or do you really believe God, knowing that we've all sinned, that we all fall short, that he loves us and proved his love through the work of Jesus? Do you believe that no matter how bad you are, or no matter how bad you feel about yourself, that God decided he loves you as you are, not as you should be. And now let's be clear. None of us are ever going to be as good as we should. It's not going to happen. So what does it mean to believe God? It means you believe not just his existence, but you believe his very nature that loves you to his core. Now, before we go any further today, we need to stop and let's just address that issue. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, let me hold this statement out there so you can meditate on it. Reflect on it. God loves you as you are, not as you should be. See, I don't know a greater love than someone who would lay down their life for another. God sent his son to lay down his life. Not just for one person, but for every person, including you and me. Believing in God means you believe he loves you. Let me say that again. Believing in God as a Christian means you believe he loves you. Now, I know some of you are struggling this morning with this. You've been in a bad place. You can't imagine how anyone can love you, let alone a perfect, holy God. I get it. I've been there. 
Paul said he was the chief of all sinners. And I say, oh, yeah, let me show you my resume. But, if you, but you need to realize it's not about our resume. It's about him. It's about his decision to love you no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. See, once I grasped that, once that sunk in, it totally transformed my relationship with him. I, for the first time in my life, truly loved him. I always feared him. I feared his judgment. But now I love him because he first loved me. He first loved you. We're going to come back and answer that second question. But right now, let's soak in the truth of God's love as we celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. These emblems represent his body and his blood, broken and shed for us, to make a way for us to experience his love, his forgiveness, his saving grace. Let's take the Lord's Supper together. does believing in his love for you translate into the Christian life? Remember last week when Doc said truly knowing God means we obey his commandments. Now you may be wondering, what commandments? I'm glad you guys asked. Jesus was approached and asked what was the most important commandment. And he responded by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Do you see it? Jesus joined these two commandments as one. There is, there is no commandment, one, greater than these two. So why does Jesus connect these two? I mean, can't I genuinely love God and not really be too cracked up about the jerks in my life? One thing I think we get confused about is what love really means. It's not a gushy, warm feeling. Love is a decision, an act of your will, just like it was God's decision to love us. I bet my mom didn't go, oh, what a precious little angel saying he does not love me anymore. And he wants to run away. See, God made a decision to love me, and he proved that love by the sacrifice of his son. My mom made a decision and let me back in, even though I was a little punk. And yep, I was still a little punk after that. I know some of you here today have been hurt very badly. May you, maybe you've had your dignity stripped for some reason. Maybe you went through a horrible breakup. Maybe someone abused you. Maybe today you're experiencing that pain. God gets it. He understands. His son was stripped of his dignity. Jesus was betrayed by someone he loved. 
Jesus was clearly abused. And yet, on the cross, he asked God to forgive them all because they just didn't understand what they were doing. Jesus made a decision. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he painfully prayed, Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. He knew his decision to die for us would be painful and humiliating. But he decided to love us rather than avoid the pain and the shame. I would bet most, if not all of us, have experienced some pain that has left a scar on our heart. Well, as a Christian, what are we to do with that? I mean, we still hurt. And when we see or think of that other person, we cringe. Maybe we feel the hurt all over again. Well, we cannot cover up and we cannot pretend the pain is not there. We must deal with it. We must confess it. We need to take the time to acknowledge the hurt to God. And maybe if led to one another. We have to start by admitting we struggle. Jesus admitted his struggle in the garden. He confessed to his disciples that he was sad. In fact, he said he was deeply grieved as he headed into the garden to pray. But once he was honest with his father, he then had the strength to continue toward the cross. Once we admit our pain and call on God for help, we can begin to heal. We can begin to love. Now, it'll probably be slow at first. But the more we recognize God's love for us and spend time in his healing grace, the more his love begins to rub off on us. Jesus made a statement I'm not sure the disciples understood at the time. They did after the cross. He said, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. How did Jesus love? By making a decision. And that decision set us free from sin and death. Allowed us to experience God's love. When I say God loves us as we are, not as we should be, it doesn't mean he wants us to stay exactly the way we are. There is a response to his love. And what is that response? How does believing in his love for you translate into the Christian life? We are to love others as they are and not as they should be. Loving God and loving others are equally true and equally important of what God expects from a Jesus follower. Loving God and loving others have equal weight in God's eyes. As a matter of fact, he said, you can't say you love God and hate your brother. In 1 John 4.20 here, it says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Now, I know some of you will not have warm and tingly feelings for the jerks in your life. Not, not at first, anyway. The first step in love is making a decision, and sometimes it's a hard decision. It says, I'm deciding not to hold this bitterness anymore. I'm not going to carry the weight of, his, of this hate that's inside me or this hurt. One more step. 
When Jesus instructed his disciples before he sent them out on the mission, he gave them great details, but he ended the details with these words. Freely you have received, freely give. And that word freely in Greek comes from a word meaning a gift not acquired by merit. See, we receive God's love freely as a gift. And God wants us to give that away freely as a gift. We love others not because they behave the way we want them to behave. We don't love others because they think exactly like we think, but freely as a gift because we have first received that gift. In 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love because he first loved us. As a Jesus follower, we want to obey Jesus. He said, love one another as I have loved you. Freely, as a gift, love one another. Jesus loved the whole world. He died for the whole world. We are to love the whole world. Now, how does believing in his love for you translate into the Christian life? Freely, as a gift. Loving one another as they are, not as they should be. Doing life with God means we do life God's way. God's way is to love others as they are, not as they should be. It's not our job to change people. Our job is to love people. Our job is to love people and trust that the Holy Spirit will use that love to touch lives for Him. Our response to God's love is to love Him and to love others as He has loved us. That choice is ours. A choice and that decision is yours. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you help us understand how much you love us and from that, from being loved first, that we would turn and love others as they are, not as they should be. Father, I know that's hard. You know it's hard. It's frustrating sometimes to deal in this life with other people. That's why we always have to keep our eyes focused on you. That's why we always have to keep our eyes focused on Christ. That is the only way that we can truly love other people is by recognizing how much you love us. Father, let Capital City Christian Church be a place where we love others as you have loved us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody, I'm Logan. I'm one of the elders here at Cap City. I'm also the guy that's been chatting with you in the comment section. You know, while we fully believe that being in person is a much better way to worship, connect, serve, and grow, I'm really glad that we had the opportunity to meet online today. As Doc said at the beginning of this, we're going to be making a decision about next Sunday later on in the week, so make sure you check our social media and your email inbox for that announcement. In the meantime, though, I hope you'll join me throughout the week in praying for our staff, our congregation, our community, all the way up to our country through this trying time. You guys have a great week.